Morning, church. All right, I'm reading from um, Luke chapter 1, verse 5 to 20. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive and they were both very old. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshippers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, How can I be sure of this? I am an old man, and my wife is well along in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words which will come true at their appointed time. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your, the, your word to us this morning, uh, for the access we have to the Holy Scriptures and for the opportunity to sit with them now and to ask you to speak to us through them. And I pray, Lord, that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts would be pleasing acceptable to you, our Lord, our strength, our rock, and our redeemer. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Have any of you had a rubbish week? Yeah, I have. It has been a rubbish week. <laughs> I know it's not the way you're supposed to start a, st- a sermon, but uh, there you go. It's been a bit of a rubbish week. Maybe you've had a rubbish month or a rubbish year. That would be understandable this year. Um, yeah, Saturday, Saturday morning, last Saturday that is, um, we were going to a birthday party and I was carrying Josiah across the road to the park and I tripped on the island in the middle of the road, dropped Josiah flat on the pavement. Thankfully, he was perfectly fine. I was a little worse for wear. Um, tore up my knee, twist my ankle, all the rest. And, and that just kind of started a chain of events. You know, I was sore, couldn't exercise, was tired. That made me make bad decisions during the week. And, you know, it was just one of those weeks. It got a little better towards the end of the week. I had some wonderful people over for dinner on Friday and stuff. But it all, uh, before that, the week kind of finished with, with also, you know, a dear, a dear friend of ours um, losing her mum. 
and, and, that no, and knowing how hard that is for her and, and, and us feeling that as well. And, and sometimes we have weeks like that. Sometimes there's rubbish weeks, right? Or months or years. Um, but I, I think what's actually worse than, than, than small periods of time where circumstances around us happen um, and it's not so good is, is when we feel that those things affect our, our, our outlook on life and our, and our faith in particular, right? When faith is what we are lacking and, and we, we, we really struggle and having a, having a hard time trusting in the promises of God, because that's kind of what faith is about. Not just, are you there, God? But can I trust that what I, I think I know you are saying, God, is actually going to come to pass? Um, whether that be the promises of God for us as his children or whether that be things that maybe God's put on your heart um, and is calling you to step into. When faith is down in our lives and, and our mind and maybe we're just feeling down, I think that's even worse than stuff around us being not so good in a particular time. Um, this month we're, we're talking about uh, the spirit of Christmas uh, being not the spirit of Christmas most people talk about, like when you turn fairy lights on and have snow and you know all the stuff in the movies around this time, but the real spirit behind the real true Christmas, and that is the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit's fingerprints are all over the Christmas story. And the title of my message today is Filled with the Spirit. Filled with the Spirit. Now, you may wonder, how on earth does that relate to having a rubbish week or feeling like there's a lack of faith? Well, I'm hoping we'll, we'll see this as we, we go through this morning. Um, just a, a reminder first on, on what, what I think is the consistent lesson for us through um, the story of Joseph last week, the story um, of Zechariah and Elizabeth and John this week, and then Simeon and Anna, Anna next week. And that is that the Holy Spirit, he has a couple of things he, he's wanting to do, not just in the Christmas story, but, and I think we see it clearly here, but also throughout the scriptures, that he seeks to glorify Jesus, mobilize us, as Jesus' followers, people, and that we would then edify others. As he mobilizes us, we glorify Jesus and edify others. And that, that's what the Holy Spirit is doing in each of these stories, and I think all through uh, the Scriptures we see this. Uh, we saw it in Joseph last week, next week in Simeon and Anna, um, when Mary and Joseph were in the temple. And in Luke chapter 1, we didn't read all of it today, but we see this consistently, especially in the latter parts of the chapter. So because we didn't read the whole chapter, I, I want to give you the, the context of the whole thing because it's sort of one whole narrative. We just uh, read a small portion of it today. Um, Zechariah, as we just read first, is visited by the angel Gabriel. And, uh, and, and the angel says to Zechariah that he, the, the son to be born to your wife, will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. Then the same angel visits Mary and, and says to Mary, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Then uh, Mary goes and visits Elizabeth, Zechariah's wife, and the baby, who's now, I think, six, about six months, uh, you, know, you know, three months from being born, um, leaps within her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And then finally, when John, later to be known as John the Baptizer, is born, it says Zechariah wrote down on the tablet, his name is John, and his voice comes back, because we heard before he lost his voice because of the interaction with the angel. And it says Zechariah then was 
filled with the Holy Spirit, and gave this prophecy and goes on to speak this declaration about Jesus and about John. So this is the whole of the narrative of Luke chapter 1. Zechariah, the visit from the angel, Mary, um, then, then Mary and Elizabeth, the interaction, and then finally, and then I think it ends with the, um, the, the prophecy from Zechariah. Um, I think that uh, seeing these, these scriptures and, and John filled with the Holy Spirit, uh, Elizabeth filled with the Holy Spirit, Zechariah filled with the Holy Spirit, um, there's some lessons in the story about what being filled with the Holy Spirit is, is all about. And um, I'm not going to in any way try and attempt a full theological unpacking this morning of being filled with the Holy Spirit because we, we couldn't do that in, in this short amount of time. But I do think that there's a principle in this chapter. And, um, and I want to I just draw, this, draw up this principle first and then kind of uh, you know, unpack it a little bit as we look at Luke chapter 1. I think that there's something about positioning ourselves in a position of worship and faith, or you might say repentance, because repentance is about turning to God, and faith or belief or trust that positions us and positions our hearts in a way that God fills us with his spirit, so filled by the Spirit. I know the glare on this board is a little bit interesting, especially for those on the on watching through the video camera. But um, but as as we're positioning worship and faith to be filled with His Spirit, what comes out of us is a number of P words. One of them is proclamation. So. Um, proclaiming the good news of Jesus, proclaiming what God is doing. Um, What you might call, just to use a P word, public praise. So some would call this testifying, right? So praising God, giving praise about what he is doing, among others that they would hear this too. And then prophecy. All of which are interrelated and kind of linked together. But that as we position ourselves in worship and faith, God fills us with his spirit for proclamation, praise, prophecy. And we see this in in Luke chapter 1 a number of times. First of all, now, and before I move on, we're not talking about a formula by any means, and I'll come back to that later. It's not a, okay, if you do this, you get this, and then this this happens. Not at all. Um, But more of a principle that I want to share as we look at Luke chapter 1. First of all, what is happening when Zechariah is visited by the angel. Well, Zechariah is said in the scripture to be a a man, along with his wife Elizabeth, who honours God with his life, who is a righteous man, and he's a priest who serves in the temple. And at this particular time, it says, once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as a priest before God, he was chosen by Lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. The burning of incense was an act of worship. And we read in the scripture that all the others were gathered around outside this space, worshipping along with Zechariah. So this is the context, is is worship. And and while that is happening, the angel Gabriel visits him in this setting, this context of worship. The same angel named here is only named four times in the whole Bible, when he visits Zechariah, when he visits Mary a little bit later, but also five or so hundred years earlier when he twice visits the prophet, anyone know? 
Daniel. Daniel was a, a man of God. And again, one of the times Gabriel, the angel Gabriel, visits Daniel is in the context of worship and prayer and repentance. Now, I haven't written that word up there, but you could quite easily replace that word worship with the word repentance. Because worship, when it's worship of God, of course, is about turning not to worship and and give glory to other things in our lives or to ourselves, but to give glory to God and to attune our hearts and our minds towards God primarily. Repentance means to turn from other things towards God. And so worship or repentance is a similar similar concept. And this is the context of Gabriel visiting Daniel, and then now, 500 or so years later, Gabriel visiting Zechariah, the context of worship. However, Zechariah lacked something that Mary did not lack. So fast forward six months, and um, the, the, the angel Gabriel visits Mary, but her response, while it seems similar, is a little different. So here's, here's what happens. Here's the two verses next to each other. How can I be sure of this? As the angel says, you're going to have a son. I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. This is what Zechariah says. Mary says, how will this be since I'm a virgin? Now, it sounds similar, but the context, if you read the whole passage... Zechariah already has more details about how this is going to happen, but this is only halfway through the conversation for Mary and the angel. And actually, the tone of what they each say is different. In a sense, this is what's happening. Zechariah is saying, I need something beyond God's promise here. How am I going to be sure of this, angel of God? And Mary is saying, help me understand what God's promise is. Right? And there's a difference. I need something beyond it. It's not enough, is what Zechariah is saying. Mary is saying, just help clarify, what is this about? And this is where, and, and we see that the angel senses this, there's a difference. Zechariah doesn't have faith where Mary does. Zechariah struggles to believe the promise and step into it. Mary does say, I am the Lord's servant, worship. And may everything you have said about me come true. She believes, even if she can't see it yet. Because isn't that what faith is? Going, we can't see this coming to reality yet, God, but if you say it, we'll believe it. One of the most succinct verses, if not the most succinct verse in all of the Bible that encourages these two postures of the heart is Mark 1.15, where Jesus comes on the scene after his baptism and says, The time has come, the kingdom of heaven has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Repent and believe. So repentance or worship God and have faith. Respond to what he says. Step into that promise. And I think that worship and faith or repentance and belief, however you want to put it, together position us well to be filled with God's presence, for his spirit to come upon us, for him to fill us with his spirit. Mary's response of, I am the Lord's servant and may everything you have said about me come true. Now I'll come back to that a little bit when it comes to Zechariah and how this went for him a little later. But what then does being filled with the spirit produce in our lives? Well, it's, it's, these, it's these P words. And all through Luke chapter 1, 
those who are filled with the Spirit are mobilized, right? So mobilized to glorify Jesus, to edify others. And, and, and it happens, there's this proclamation that comes out, or this public praise, or even prophetic utterance. So for example, John, not to be named, not named yet, but an unborn baby who is said by the angel to be filled with the Spirit while he's still in the womb, uh, w- walks Mary, uh, sorry, Elizabeth, too many characters in this story, get them mixed up. Elizabeth walks into the room, Mary's there, therefore Jesus is there, but he's just not hardly even a fetus yet. And John leaps in the womb in the presence of Jesus. So, so even this unborn baby is mobilized by the Holy Spirit to, to highlight the presence of the Savior in the room right there. Elizabeth is then filled with the Spirit, that's liter- filled with the Holy Spirit, that's literally what the Scripture says, and it says, speaks in a loud voice is what the verse says. So literally, John leaps, she, and, and, and Elizabeth goes, blah, blah, like she, she just comes out with these words all of a sudden as she is filled by the Spirit and proclaims, you know, how blessed are you, Mary, and this, about this, this Savior to be born, and it just kind of comes out of her mouth. And then towards the end of the story, Zechariah, once he says, on the, writes down his name will be John, he uh, his voice comes back, because remember he lost it before, and he prophesies, it says, Zechariah is filled with the Spirit and prophesies these words declaring who Jesus is and who John will be. And this is what we see all the way through the New Testament, prophecy, proclamation of good news, public praise, testifying to who Jesus is and God's goodness. These are the some of the outworkings of the Spirit of God filling a believer. And their purpose, if you hadn't guessed it yet, is not to make me feel better or not to, to do something that just you know, shocks people. Their purpose is always that others be edified, that others be encouraged, that others be lifted up and built up. And that is what the Holy Spirit is always seeking to do in in proclamation of good news, in public praise of God, in prophetic words. Now, when we talk about being filled with the Holy Spirit, and some of these, sometimes we talk about the gifts of the Spirit, like prophecy um, or or, or words, um, sometimes there's a level of hesitation that we have in the church around the work of the Holy Spirit and the filling of the Holy Spirit because there's a whole heap of history to this in the church. And a couple of reasons why we sometimes, there is sometimes this hesitation are, are these. That certain, in, in certain parts of the church, certain other outworkings of the Spirit have been elevated like speaking in tongues or some of the sort of seemingly miraculous kind of supernatural things. And these things get elevated a bit. And then these, something like prophecy, which actually, according to Paul, is the gift we should pursue the most. Right, so to take a step back there, in Corinthians, Paul says pursue prophecy, not these other ones so much. Those are lesser. Prophecy is what you should seek after more. Because prophecy is about what? Edifying others. Others being built up. Others being encouraged. I have experienced such 
great joy in both practicing but also observing others using the gift of prophecy, which is not about telling the future and standing here, thus saith the Lord, in 2021 there shall... No, no, no. This is not what we're talking about. We're talking about being used as God's mouthpiece for the encouragement of another person. That is such a beautiful, beautiful gift that the Holy Spirit enacts in us when we let him. Um, And so what happens, though, in the church sometimes, in parts of the church, is that other gifts, speaking in tongues, for example, which is actually a gift more for personal, being being uplifted and built up personally as you pray in this heavenly language, that gets elevated and prophecy not so much, and that's the wrong way around. Because the Holy Spirit is all about using us to build someone else up, to encourage someone else. So that's one reason why we sometimes get uncomfortable talking about the work of the Holy Spirit. But another reason is this, that it's uncomfortable. (laughs) That sometimes what the Holy Spirit does through us is a little bit like, I don't know if I'm quite okay with that right now. We, we fear, maybe, that if we are filled with the Spirit all of a sudden, if the Spirit of God comes upon us, then we will be like Elizabeth. I know we didn't read that part of the story, but it, literally, she's filled with the Spirit and kind of blah, 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 like just comes out of her mouth. It says she spoke in a loud voice. And we're going to think, well, I'd, I'd rather just speak quietly, right? I don't know that I want to be, you know, in a sense, lose control like that. Or, or even worse, what if I become like her son, I don't know if you know about John the Baptizer, but ate locusts and wild honey, grew a big beard, wore camel's hair, lived in the desert. This is the man who was the prime example of being filled with the Spirit through all of his life, even before birth. And we think, oh, if that's what being filled with the Spirit's about, I'm not so sure I want to be quite that weird. Sometimes the work of the Holy Spirit is a little uncomfortable. And so we get a bit hesitant. But what I, what I want to point out this morning is that this is not a formula by any means. And it's not just a do this to get to this to get to this. That, that's not my point this morning. But so often when we as spirit-filled people, because if we are followers of Jesus, we have his spirit living inside us. When we step out and say, God, I want you to help me to proclaim the good news. To, to say, God, this is who you are, even in front of other people and how good you are. Or even to say, God, I feel like you want to speak this scripture or these words of encouragement over the life of a brother or sister in Christ. When we, say, when we step out in faith to do this, we see the Holy Spirit empower us. And so it's not one way or, or, or just one kind of process or, or it's it's all the way around, these things are interconnected. That when we step out, he gives us faith and he empowers us to proclaim good news. Right? When, when, we, when we say, God, I, I just want to praise you, we feel the spirit bubbling that up inside of us. And that increases faith in us as we, we worship him. Right? So it's, these things all go together. And I admit, this is not one of those sermons where there's this super profound theological principle that 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 I've spent years dwelling on. This was just what stood out to me in the scripture this week. But I think think it applies. Um, 
And note that in Zechariah's case, it wasn't until the opportunity came to say, this is what God has said. It wasn't until nine months later where he had the opportunity to write, his name will be John, that his mouth is then opened and he continues then in public prophetic proclamation of who John will be and who Jesus will be. And so whilst the Holy Spirit fills us to testify, sometimes the Holy Spirit also fills us when we testify, when we proclaim good news. And sometimes that's where the faith comes from. When we say, I'm going to step out, God, I need you to help me. So why is this story good news to those of us who might lack faith? Having had a rubbish week or a rubbish month, or just a kind of cruddy year this year? Because that's where I started this morning. So, so what has this got to do with that? Well, as I was thinking about this this week, I, I, I felt drawn to verse 13. And, and verse 13 of Luke chapter 1, we read it before, says this, But the angel said to him, Zechariah, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. Now, being childless at the time, that was a big deal. Because in the, in the culture at that time, you know, for him and his wife to have been childless, that people would think there's something wrong. As in, they, they are living in some kind of a sin and, and God is, is punishing them. This is a result of something that they have done or are doing. And so there would be shame involved that they have not been able to bear a son, and especially someone who's a priest in the temple, right, and honours God and, and is supposed to be upheld as someone who is a righteous man and a righteous woman. There would be shame involved in this. So this would have been very, very hard for them. And they'd, be, they'd been praying, God, would you, would you bear us, you know, could we have a, a child? But Zechariah, even when the angel came and said, you're going to have a child, you're going to have a son, Zechariah did not have the faith to believe that this would come true. Even when the angel Gabriel, who had only ever shown up to the prophet Daniel, this is a pretty important angel in, in, in God's army, right? Even when this angel shows up and said, this is what's going to happen. I, the, mess, the word of the Lord is this. Zechariah struggled. He'd been praying for it, but he struggled to believe it. He didn't have the faith in that time. And sometimes this is us. Even when God makes a clear promise to us and says, this is how it's going to be. Even if it's something we've been praying for and hoping for. Sometimes where we're at is that we just don't have the faith at that time to trust that it will come to pass. We go, I just, I don't know if I can believe that, God. There's been too many things happen. And I just, I just don't feel it right now. And I just think that is a reality that most of us, if not all of us here, have at some point experienced that lack of faith. So what do we do when this chain is broken and we don't have faith? What do we do when we just struggle to believe that even something God says is going to come to pass? What do we do when we, we can't see it and therefore we can't believe it? 
as opposed to faith that says we, can, we can't see it, but we believe it anyway. What do we do? I felt this is what the Lord was saying and wants to, share, to say to some people this morning. When we don't have faith in certain seasons of our life, keep on worshipping. That there's nothing much we can do to conjure up faith. Oh, God, I believe. But it just doesn't feel any different. But the one thing that we do do is we don't walk away from worship. And by worship, I don't mean coming to church and singing a few songs, of course. I mean living a life that honors God. Our, our life, our heart and our mind are tuned towards Him first in all things. Because the temptation when we don't have faith is just to go, you know what, I might as well throw this out the window for a little while as well. Uh, I might as well just go, you know, I don't feel like prayer in the morning. I don't feel like reading the Word. And so, you know, maybe this will come back. In the meantime, I'll I'll just kind of get on with my life. I don't feel like coming to church and being among God's people in a place of worship, in a space of worship, uh, because the faith just kind of isn't there. So what's the point? I don't don't feel like, uh, like sticking to the disciplines that stop me going back into old habits that used to ruin my, my relationship with God. And so I'll just fall back into old habits. I'll fall back into things that place me in a, in a place where God was, where I feel like God's disappointed with me then. I'll just, I'll just kind of, I'll just get rid of both. But that's not what we ought to do when faith is lacking. The best thing we can do is keep on worshiping. Because this comes and goes. I mean, sometimes we just feel like faith is missing, and there's nothing much we can do to conjure it up. But this is a choice, right? This is something that we can choose. Knowing who God is, that, that does, it doesn't change how we live. It doesn't change living a life of repentance, turning away from things that, that, that are not God and turning towards God in all circumstances. This is what Zechariah did. He didn't, and, and his wife too, they never gave up their call to be righteous people, to be a priest in the temple who led people in in worship, to honour God with their lives. Even though they were going, even though the angel comes and says, this is going to happen, and Zechariah says, I can't believe it. They didn't give up worship, repentance, living a life that honours God. And what happened? Well, nine months later, and over the course of nine months, the promise of God began to grow, literally. And Zechariah sees this baby born. And eight days later, according to Jewish custom, he's to be named. And Zechariah then has the opportunity. When they're saying, well, his name's going to be Zechariah, right? That's tradition after the dad. He goes, no. He writes on the tablet, his name will be John. And this was the promise of God through the angel. And what happens when Zechariah has had the opportunity over nine months now to, to let faith grow in his heart because now he can see the promise. He can literally see this baby in front of us and he's able to say, now I have faith. This boy will be called John. And what happens? He is filled with the Spirit and he prophesies a prophetic word that is just amazing. This boy will do amazing things. This Jesus is going to be like this. And so I feel like this is just 
what some of us need to hear this morning. If you're just having a crappy week or month or year and your faith is just blah, to keep on worshipping, to keep on saying, God, I don't understand some of this stuff. And what, what feels like maybe you're, you're saying will come to pass right now. I can't see it. But in the meantime, I won't turn away from you. I won't run away from you. I won't go back into old habits. I'll keep showing up in your presence, God. And eventually, faith will return. Eventually, that trust that what he says will come to pass, even though we can't see it, it will return. So we're going to sing in a moment. We're just going to sing, come let us adore him. Come let us adore him. We give you all the glory, God. As we continue to worship, no matter how we're feeling this morning. Jesus, I pray that as we worship you in this place, you would help us to see, God, that you'll never leave us. You'll never walk away from us. The choice is in our hands as to whether we walk away from you. Not completely. Most of us wouldn't do that, but just in seasons of our life where it feels a bit rubbish, when we're lacking faith. And God, this Christmas says so much to be grateful for, so much to celebrate, celebrate, particularly that your son has come to bring the presence of God to this earth. And so as we worship this morning, our prayer is that the spirit of Christmas, the true spirit, the Holy Spirit, would come upon us, would give us faith, would fill us with gratitude and with trust in the Father and his promises. Come, Holy Spirit, we pray. Come and empower us to declare the good news to our friends, even though we don't feel like we have what it takes. Come and empower us to be that encourager to a brother or sister this Christmas as you use us as your mouthpiece to speak prophetically. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would fill us. And this morning we pray that ancient prayer of the church, come Holy Spirit, even as we worship you in spirit and in truth this morning. Come Holy Spirit. Come and fill us with faith. Come and fill us. Amen.